This hour is brought to you by Menards. Save big money at Menards. Uh, tough. I mean, the Bulls battled back, but when you dig a hole that's that big, down 21 points, and you actually come back and take the lead, uh, a tough, tough way, uh, a hill to climb, and uh, this Cleveland team found the rhythm back, and they'll lose this game. So the Bulls go on, they lose this game, 109-91. That was yesterday's guest on the score, Bill Wennington, on the score's play-by-play coverage of Bulls basketball that probably wasn't as much fun to listen to last night when you're down 20 in the first quarter. It feels, and I, and I was flipping, so, you know, and Beth and I had gone to uh, a memorial service and we were a little late getting home to turn the game. I'm like, all right, let's settle in for some Bulls basketball. And I turn it on and they're down, <laughs> down 20. I was like, hey. You, you know, before we bring uh, in Cody, I, I just wanted to say, I, I meant to mention this to you. What? I, I'm watching last night, and I I don't know if Vooch understands, because he, he had told KC that he's just going to keep shooting threes. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he understands that he's open because he's not making threes. Oh, they wanted him to keep shooting. Was he one for and, seven? And he did, and it was bad. And I want him to stop doing that. Now we can bring in Cody Westerlin, who covers no, the Bulls for us. I actually, here. I don't. I'm not sure. I agree. I I, don't, I, don't I, mind I want him shooting open threes. I don't mind it's him still shooting. A good a, shot. I think that he still has not if you're shooting 28. percent um, I think that he needs to understand game flow and game situation on when to shoot that three and when to move the ball. Cody Westerland joins us on the Circus Sports Illinois Hotline. The editor and Bulls writer for 670thescore.com is on Twitter at Cody Westerland. He's also on twitch.tv slash Chicago670thescore. Hey, Cody. Hey, how you guys doing? I'm uh, I'm kind of with Lawrence on that one. I like when Vooch is kind of passing the ball a little bit more toward the top of the key whether, rather than chucking up too many three-pointers. On that, I, I feel like there is a focal point role for him in the offense, but seven was a lot, a lot to see last night. It was, it was definitely a lot to see with him, and especially because he's been bad at it this year and has really been struggling as of late. What did you think was the biggest issue in last night's game? Well, it was the second chance points. I think the Cavs had 26 of them. 21 of them had come by early in the third quarter, and the Bulls didn't take care of the basketball very well at all 19 turnovers as a team seven of them came from Kobe White and the Bulls have been so good taking care of the ball this season around 12 turnovers a game have been pretty much one two or three in the NBA all year in that ranking so when that kind of spirals out of control and the Bulls don't have the bones of who they are um, they don't have their reliable traits going into any single game it's going to get tough for them and you gotta give the Cavs credit right I know they're shorthanded with Darius Garland being out Evan Mobley being out, but they've remade themselves over the past few weeks into this team that just chucks threes at a really, really high rate and is doing it well. They gave a little bit more space for Jarrett Allen in that pick and roll game. You saw that early against the Bulls. He had two or three dunks, layups, buckets just um, off that screen roll game with Donovan Mitchell. So this is a team, there's a reason the Cavs are fourth in the East, and a lot of it has to do with Donovan Mitchell being really good at basketball. Jarrett Allen's playing incredible lately, and they really know who they are right now. So this was a good team the Bulls were playing, too. 
What do you make of the reintegration of Zach Levine in the new look Bulls offense? And I, I obviously you could say with Patrick Williams out and with Patrick Williams back, those may be different roles. Yeah, it's been weird to me. I mean, anytime Zach shoots only eight shots in a game, which I think he's done two times in the past six games, it's really weird, right? Because he's not a basketball player who's going to help you win games on the defensive end. He's not a basketball player who's ever going to have 19 assists to help you win a game or anything like that. And that's not to say he hasn't shared the ball well. He's had a series of game with five, six, seven, eight assists here. So he's done a little bit of playmaking, but at the same time, like, it's he's standing in the corner more than I thought he would, even when you realize that the Bulls wanted to keep up the vibes, the style, the ball sharing that they had before. And to me, he's just the Bulls want to keep him out of a ton of pick and rolls because that brings traffic and attention. But to me, I still feel like he should be doing whenever he gets the ball more driving to the hoop and either trying to finish or kicking. And I know those are kind of similar, right? Like, mm-hmm. Guys going to the hoop with the ball, sometimes through traffic. But if he can get the ball um, when they have to close out hard on him because of his threat of three-point shooting, I want to see him go hard to the hoop more, spray the ball and play make or finish strong. But we saw him miss a couple layups last night, too. That's kind of been a season-long um, weakness for, for Zach Levine compared to his career norms. So it's been a little odd, but, I mean, the Bulls have won more than they've lost since he come has come back. So, so you understand it, but – if this is the whole future, like if he doesn't get moved by the February 8th trade deadline, it's going to be a really weird last couple months of the season, I would think. I think that the, the situation that Zach is in right now is pretty weird. And I, I'm, I'm putting on my notes for Dan and I to maybe discuss tomorrow on the show. But, Cody, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. It's weird because for the, the trade value of Zach has gone down. And for it to go back up, he and the Bulls kind of have to play better. And listening to his quotes, stuff that you've had, KC has had, Darnell has had, he likes the Bulls when he when they are winning. So it's this very strange relationship that he's got with the team and the team has with him on trading him. It's 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 bizarre. What's the latest that you're hearing? Not much at all. And I mean, I guess that passes for what's the latest. The latest is there still hasn't been a significant market or really any market of substance emerge for Zach Levine in trade talks. And obviously yesterday was the day basically everyone in the NBA now uh, is eligible to be traded, which should theoretically ramp up discussions moving forward. And everyone's long had their eyes on the Lakers. But the longer this goes on with the Lakers not showing significant interest, and then you got DeJounte Murray, Atlanta Hawks guard. Looks like he's on the trade market too. Might be a better, cheaper fit for the Lakers there. It seems like the hopes of a Zach Levine trade, I I was pretty confident in it happening a few weeks ago. Uh, It's going down, which I mean, some people have obviously predicted the Bulls are still going to try to move him but the Lakers to me were the logical fit for a long time and just the way that it seems like they're definitely going to want to hang on to Austin Reeves which you understand he's their third best player right now on a really good contract I don't know how the fit's going to work out there so it's what we've seen when the market's not moving much that's why you see reports of I believe Woj was the one who said that in many ways the Bulls are just going to have to view moving Zach Levine perhaps at some point as getting off of his 
huge contract, which is 215 million, around 45 million a year or so. So a lot of intrigue there to play out before February 8th. And as we do get closer to that, there's the larger picture then. If people come asking about DeMar DeRozan and as much as he has bought in and as much he as he has sacrificed for the team concept, there there's no movement in a contract extension negotiation. And then someone's going to offer you a lot for, and, and if he's healthy, for Caruso. So is there any possible way they can do this again? Say, we believe in this team and we're just going to stand pat. Like, something finally has to give. Something big has to give, at least in my estimation. I, I would think they would have a move of some sort. And I would think Zach Levine would still be the leading contender there. Um, but I haven't heard much on DeMar either. Like the Bulls love DeMar DeRozan and Alex Cruz. Like that's the thing you have to remember through all this. We all they do. They love those guys. Of course they do. But but they also have a responsibility to have a, a greater understanding of where they are and, and where they're going or not going. They've never shown an understanding this front office mm. really of where mm. they are at any moment in time, right? Like they always go back and cite the 23 games. What was it? 14 and nine with Patrick Beverly last year, something like that as somehow being the big picture takeaway from 82 games when it's what a sliver of about 25% of their schedule. So that's why when you look at it, you don't know what's going to happen. Now, I, I, I think if they hold on to DeMar DeRozan past the trade deadline, it'll be like the Vooch situation last year where you have to think you're going to bring him back. Obviously, the case there would be, are you going to bring him back on a two-year contract, which I think would make sense for the Bulls. He's going to certainly want three, I would think, is what he'll ask for, given how he's performed. So that's where it gets a little hairy, and you got to be be careful. But, like, absolutely, I agree, Dan. Like, I think I've been on here before telling you, like, if they get good offers for these guys, they should be willing to move off of them, try to build more around Kobe White, Patrick Williams. But this, the price for them to be blown away compared to what the average fan would need to be blown away, I think it's just higher for the Bulls front office because of how much DeMar and Caruso have meant to them. So that's not to say they won't get offers. They'll surely get offers on Caruso. I'm sure DeRozan will get interest too. But um, they just wanted to move Zach first, and that hasn't happened. And the longer it goes, it feels like it could be status quo. The other thing is, is with this is they they're sitting in the in, in the play in right now, and that's probably where they're going to end up. Yeah, I still don't know if that's satisfying to the front office. If just having the chance to be a team that could move to the playoffs, and with them seeing what happened with Miami last year. I worry that 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 is something that they will see as a success. I don't think finishing 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th is satisfying to this Bulls front office, but I do think they're at probably at a headspace where um, everything we've heard and again what they've done before and what they haven't where they will find that acceptable after a 5 and 14 start and sell it as much as they can because that's what they've sold before. I don't expect that to change in any regard and like to me, the thing still is like, again, you can trade Zach Levine and still chase a play-in. You could trade DeMar DeRozan and still chase a play-in. Now, I think he would be a bigger blow given how much he produces um, on a nightly basis for the Bulls. But, like, that goal doesn't leave just because those guys do. The East isn't that good. The play-in is big. It gets 10 of the 15 teams in, so you can still give it a whirl and stuff. So that's why everyone's like everyone goes for the play and like to me it's like do your thing and see where you end up um 
Because, I mean, we all agree. There's no way. If this team gets a seven or eight seed, they're not beating the Celtics or Bucks in a seven-game series this season. Like, can they push them to six games? Sure, maybe. But, like, what does that mean to anyone? Um, certainly, it has meant stuff to the Bulls' front office in the past to reach the playoffs. But got to remember, they set the goal. They wanted to be better this season. They want to win a playoff round. They've talked about that before. I thought last night was the sloppiest that I've seen Kobe White play in a couple of seasons. Seven turnovers, not great quarter awareness of where his feet are when he catches two passes out of bounds. How have you seen teams change the way that they defend him? And are we seeing a player that's going through the growing pains of, oh, wait, I am the guy. Let me do more to, to try and help my team win. Yeah, we have. I mean, they've shifted more attention to Kobe. Sometimes that has meant being more aggressive in the pick and roll with the big man who steps up. Sometimes that means like when he's going to the hoop, those help defenders cut him off harder. If you remember early in Kobe White's career, teams weren't afraid of him going to the hoop and finishing, right? Like he'd go in there and he'd just get lost among taller defenders and didn't finish well at the hoop. He has proved that he can do that more. He has proved that he can be more consistent with his shot and his decision-making. So once that decision-making got better, it forced teams to change. They have. Kobe will have to adjust himself and sometimes that may mean just the focus being on you. Those string of 20-point games are gone, which, like, I'll tell you right now, Kobe White is certainly fine. He, if he scores six points in a game, has seven assists, and the Bulls win and he takes care of the ball, he's going to be really happy. He's going to be happy in pretty much any scenario in which they win and he takes care of the ball. Those are the metrics he's going to look at every night, which is why I think he was so disappointed with his performance last night. He's not a guy who's into his scoring. He's just a guy that can do it well for long stretches for this team. They've needed it. and. He's changed and had to adjust probably more than anyone on this team. It just seems like in the four or five years he's been here with the starting point guard role coming off the bench, on ball, off ball, what are you going to do? Bad at defense, can't go to the hoop. And he always finds a way, so I expect him to find a way and keep improving. Now, that doesn't mean he's not an all-star this year. I don't know what his future holds, but I do think he's a good young building block who will adjust, and, and the Bulls should they should keep doing more to give him a little more responsibility every game, every week, every season. Have you heard anything from the team about how the, the awful rollout is going to affect the ring of honor going forward? Are they just going to kind of lick their wounds after this and say, all right, well, we'll We'll do it better next time, or is it, are there? Are they still definitely going forward with the the next round a couple of years from now? Yeah, I haven't heard anything, Dan. Uh, I mean, I haven't checked in either, so uh, that's something I probably ask about more the next home game. Obviously, the Bulls have been on the road the past couple of days, haven't been around them. Not exactly a topic. It's kind of a touchy subject, right? Like, give it a few days. That's to, what I thought to past. Yeah, um, certainly. I mean, I. I, it was a disgrace. Everyone said it. We all understand that. Um, all you guys who have been around the Bulls and the Kraus story for, for much longer than I have and know the history have pointed out it's not surprising um, in any regard. But I, as far as I know, they'll do it again in two years. Uh, the class, I don't think, would be as big. The first one, I would assume, would be the biggest one, obviously. So there probably won't be as many options of people to boo, to be honest, next time. Um when they do it, but it's something they were excited about. Really unfortunate how it played out. And I, we've talked a lot about it. I don't know if we need to keep talking about it, obviously, but it was, it was probably the most cringeworthy scene I'd ever seen at a sporting event. And it, it really wasn't close. Hmm. Cody, 
As always, we appreciate your time and your information. Thank you, sir. Yep, you guys have a good day. That's Cody Westerland of 670thescore.com. A couple of news notes here. One, the Saints have parted ways with longtime offensive coordinator Pete Carmichael and a couple put him of on the list. position coaches. Well, and also put another opening on the list for all these guys mm-hmm. as they go searching for an offensive coordinator there. But, yeah, maybe interview him, see what the Sean Payton disciple thinks of the Bears quarterbacking situation. And also, congratulations are in order to a couple of dear friends. The National Sports Media Association has announced the Illinois winners of Sports Writer and Sports Caster of the Year. The Illinois Sports Writer of the Year is Fishy Business Kevin Fishbane All right. of The Athletic. And the Illinois Sports Caster of the Year is... Jason Benetti. It How says, about it? Comma Chicago White Sox. How about it? Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Go tell Jerry. Wasn't Layla up for that award? Was she a finalist? I think she was a finalist. We can ask. I think her so. Tomorrow. But Jason Benetti, his Illinois Sportscaster of the Year for his work broadcasting Chicago White Sox games. And we'll never be royal. Oh, they didn't want him. I got the, the email from the White Sox because, you know, every baseball team does this. You got the email saying, hey, you know, we're packing up all our equipment and we're getting ready to to drive it down to, to, to Arizona. And I'm just sitting there going, I know that there are going to be cameras there. I know that it's good B-roll. But who's interested, like, at all when it comes to the White Sox right now? There isn't anything about them right now that's interesting, and that's sad. Yeah, I'm. I'm not compelled. Like, is there anything that you see written or said? You're like, ooh, what's this? That's worth a click. What What's worth it for me? I did a pod on it last week on House of L. What I have enjoyed, and this does speak to what we were talking about earlier. And I know that this is a little bit hypocritical from my stance on that. I have enjoyed that pretty much the White Sox, whenever they post something, the replies have have, have been food for me. Because <laughs> <laughs> they did that whole thing of like, hey, we're having a, a hitters summit. And it was like, so Luis Roberts going to be there? And then that's it? Like, w- what's the summit about? They they have such an uphill battle, like a real uphill battle to try to gain attention back, to try to gain eyes. Credibility. Credibility, everything. It is such an uphill battle. I don't even know if they know how big of an uphill battle it's going to be. I know they don't care. I I slightly disagree there are people there who care yes there there are people who know and care but ultimately but, if, but whether or not it happens kind of feels like it depends on one person he's Lawrence Holmes I'm Dan Bernstein when we return you wanted to get back to a theme that you teased a little bit earlier in the show yeah let's talk about taking the north and why that is a uh, bigger bigger chore than what it was maybe when Ryan Bowl said that. It's next here on The Score. Bernstein at Homes, middays 10 to 2 on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com in Odyssey Station. 
the most important piece is we're going to take the North and never give it back. Well, Ryan, when? Been a couple of years. How's that going? Hmm. These are the questions, Dan. And you know, the whole thing has been, this has been building. And I think that Ryan Poles has done a pretty good job of building the roster He's got to figure out if he's done a good job of handling the coaching aspect of this whole thing. But whatevs, there was a a moment while I was watching the games that I got more worried. And this is before the Packers even took the field. After the game, there was Aiden Hutchinson, Amon Ross St. Brown, and Jarek Goff sitting there talking, and I'm sitting there going, oh, yeah, they're set up to be successful for a while. And then you start thinking about their draft from last year. Jameer Gibbs, Jack Campbell, Sam Laporta, Brian Branch. And then you start thinking about their offensive line, which is pretty well set with Frank Ragnow, who I think is, what, 28 or 27, 28 years old, and Panay Sewell. And you go, Oh, this isn't just a a thing that that's just just going to happen. Like they they could be a thorn in your side for a really long time. Then you get to Sunday. And you get to Sunday and you go, "Hold hold on, hold up." And you see that Jordan Love has not just taken a, the next step to being a competent quarterback, which was a fear, maybe not the fear, but a fear. He has played extraordinary throughout this season. And he and then if you were looking for, well, his kryptonite will be the playoffs. He goes on the road and puts together a virtuoso performance in Dallas. I think these are very scary times for anyone who is a Bears fan and thought that they were on the road to taking the North and never giving it back. Well, the Hutchinson thing is an issue. He's awesome. Yes. He's a monster. And so is Branch. Yeah. yeah. Branch just jumps off the screen at you. And it's not only because of the stupid mouth guard stuck in his hat. Roll Tide. Yeah, what is that? Roll that, Tide. Come on. No, don't Roll Tide me on that one. That's just dumb. You know what it is. It's dumb. It's Roll Tide. I know it is, but it's dumb. But at least you do say, oh, yeah, it's that guy. With the green thing sticking out of his head. I thought it was a sex toy at one point. I'm like, no, it's a mouth guard. Okay. Well, Whatever floats yeah, your boat right. or finds your lost remote. <laughs> you can use it however you want. Yeah. This is uh, taking the North is going to be, going to be a, a big project. It really is. And, and the idea was that the only thing that was kind of standing in the Bears' way was the Bears. And now you realize it is not the only thing standing in their way. There are huge obstacles. So when I, I threw this up on Twitter, there were people like, well, the Bears only lost to them by eight points. I'm like, the league is set up for that. If you, if you go and look, I, I bet the percentage is somewhere between 48 and 49% of, of games in the NFL, regular season games in the NFL, have been one-score games. The league loves that. The difference is, do you feel like you've taken the necessary steps to close the gap. And then someone else was like, well, they were winning that game against Detroit and then they lost it. 
right. They lost the game that they were winning. Are you any closer to bridging that gap? Where I, it's kind of like the Bears made it seem like, and I guess it was, you could understand why, that it was about them running on the treadmill. That they were, we running, we're running in place. And if we could just start running forward, then we'll be able to take this division. And then they found out when they got outside and they were running forward that there were other people who were running and they were ahead of them. So now it's not just you can't fall down while you're running. You've got to catch at least two teams and maybe three, depending on what the quarterback situation is up in Minnesota. It's a daunting task, man. And I'm sure this weekend feels worse because of that but we're in a space where there could be a Packers Lions NFC championship game yes that could happen that could and that's what you're trying to conquer that's where you're at as if you're the Bears that you have to figure out a way to over I'm sorry I'm sorry but it's all the more reason why this is already a missed opportunity it's all the more reason why here you are at, at a time for something bold, a time to stop being the Bears, and they have bearsed it like the bearsiest thing that's ever bearsed. At this time, this was your chance. This is your opening. And you're two years in, like, we're going to take the North and never give it back. Well, here's a well. chance. You're going to do something right now? No, we're going we're gonna to keep this whatever, like and then we'll hire. They like we'll, it. Oh, exactly. They like it. That every time you think there's new energy and new vision and something different, it never is. Well, well, to be fair, to or at least to try to be fair, when you saw them make the move for Montez Sweat, you go, okay, all right, this is the way that you combat that. You get yourself a a a middle aged pass rusher, and I mean that in football terms because he's what twenty seven. Like you know that there's going to be at least three more really good seasons of Montez Sweat, and you say, not only am I trading for him, I'm paying him. Now the Bears have their really good young players on defense too. I don't think that that should be overlooked. But when you're kind of stuck in the sand offensively, whether you're talking about drafting a quarterback, and the hope is that 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 quarterback can jump up and be good or bringing back the quarterback that you have. And it better mean that he takes the next step in his development and your team can be on a competitive floor with the other two teams, at least the other two teams in the division, man, it just, it it seems like when Ryan Pohl said that, think about what we were talking about. We didn't know if the Dan Campbell thing would work. Number one. And number two, you thought that everything in Green Bay was going to fall apart because at the time it was falling apart. Because of Aaron Rodgers. Correct. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers was going to either leave or have that franchise implode. And no one was thinking, well, they found the next one. They they found the next guy. He's just been sitting there on the bench nor, like Rodgers was. Nor was anybody thinking all Matt LaFleur needs is for Rodgers to get the hell out of his way. Yeah. If if you're yeah, that that might be the biggest part of this that 
you find out how good a coach Matt LaFleur yes. is. Yeah, that's the problem. And the and the Bears like this guy. Those two teams are better coached, no matter who you hire as offensive coordinator. Oh, I think that's clear. Yeah. How can you get on their level? You're going to have to hit a home run with the offensive coordinator hire and pray that your decision on Eberflus that is based on stuff that's real. That you can that that he has the makings of being a great head coach, even though his they, body of work thus far would say that he's probably average to below average they know as a head coach. They, nobody nobody in that building. No, thinks he's Dan, great. Dan, no, they don't. And the evidence that I have to support my theory is that he is still the head coach of the Bears. Yeah, but that doesn't mean he's great because they keep stripping him of responsibility. But but if he were great, if he weren't, if they didn't think that he had a chance to be great, they would have moved on from him. I don't know. I think they just wanted to keep the defense the same. I think I think that's that's really the point. But but I agree with you in that. I mean, I I think that you probably say it a little too. Um, I find it to be a little bit reductive that anyone could come in here and do it. But I do think that it's more possible than not that you can hire someone that can keep the level of intensity and energy up. I also think that that group of defenders is self-motivated. Yes. Now, maybe, like maybe, John Greenberg just said, they're professionals. Now, beyond them being professionals, I think that they, for the most part, hold themselves accountable. And I do think that they like Matt Eberflus. But I think that they would like a lot of different people if those people came in and allowed them to grow as players. Eberflus deserves credit for the some of the development that's happened in the secondary. I, I truly believe that. But it doesn't mean that he's going to be able to handle what happens next. But we'll we'll see. It just when when you watch it through the lens of just what happened this weekend and you realize that Jordan Love is not going anywhere. And Jared Goff and all of those weapons that he's got at his disposal aren't going anywhere. And that defense in Detroit, while it has some problems, I know I know for a fact they have a game wrecker. I know that. I know that they've got a problem child on their defensive line who you're going to have to deal with for years and years and years. What do you think about Darnell Wright versus him? I think that Darnell Wright did a pretty good job. I also think that he's a guy that will eventually counter. Like that that's the thing about I I really like Hutchinson as a player. And I, I might like him more than others do. I I think that he's got enough talent and and work ethic. He's not just getting by on it. I I'm happy to see that battle for the next five years. I because I think they got it right with Darnell Wright. But damn, that dude is really, really good and, and problematic. When we come back, we are going to ask the question, is Aisha Curry out of pocket? Let's do that next. Bernstein and Holmes, your midday destination for Chicago sports talk on 670 The School. So who can stop Steph Curry? Hopefully we'll never find out. Some questions about that. My plan, by the way, is to make it back so that I'm doing the studio, doing the show in the studio with Dan on Thursday, weather permitting. No, no, no it's not. Don't, it don't, is don't, my, don't lie to people. It, Dan, it is my plan because on Thursday night, 
I have an appearance at, at Bevda's oh, okay. Wine and Spirit Wine and Spirits with Remy, Remy Martin. Martin. Yeah, all right. Okay. Yeah, for the quarter dreams that people yeah, can so sign it's up. It's not coming back. It's not coming for, to be here. Sorry. Right. Well, I mean, I I like you're all right. Okay. You know, I don't I don't mind doing the show with you for now. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna be at Bevda's Wine and Spirits on Torrance in Lansing from five thirty until seven, or and we're gonna have a good time. So. Remy Martin is putting us out there. It's going to be a lot of fun. They will have free samples. They make great sidecars. So we will have a lot of fun. Cool. Weather, weather permitting. Now, Curry was mentioned as we were coming back, but we've always talked about the Curry family. Like, everybody in their family is is gorgeous. And uh, I think, think Mama Curry has a reality show now. Well, that's because she, the, the, that marriage broke up, right? Yes. She and Dell. Are, and then supposedly they did the reverse where they're dating each other's exes. Oh, ooh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's rumored. Well, I don't know that to be true. Well, things got a little strange with uh, Steph and his wife, Aisha. Because she was telling some tales, I guess, out of school. She was out here in these streets talking about what Steph likes. My husband really loves my feet. What? Oh, I love that. And so, like, the light was hitting him just right that day. And so I was like, let me just snap this photo and send him a picture of my feet. So I always say, like, when he says to send nudes, like, yeah. that's what he's getting, a picture of my bare feet. <laughs> I don't know if he's happy about Whoa. Yeah, I don't know if he's happy about you telling that either. That, that feels like something that's supposed to be kept between y'all well, and your feetses. Maybe he just, oh, it's, I, I don't get it. I, I, mean, I do, get it. I don't. I don't get the feet thing. Feet are gross. Mm. I mean, and actually, my my wife's feet are adorable, but I don't care because they're. But they, you, but you know that they're adorable because because she she says they are. Um. Yeah, but you would know if they were ugly, Dan. Right. You would, the, you'd be like, would those know. are ugly feet. Right. But I guess they're. they're I mean, but I don't. But ugh, feet. They're still feet, though. Yeah, but it's your lady's feet. I know. But still, keep them away from me. But but my whole Go thing is, him, baby. Do, no. do you need to be telling people that Probably that's not. how he gets down? Maybe they don't care. I don't. I know. don't think that I don't need. I don't think you need to be telling people that, that that's how Steph gets down out in public. I, I need a ruling on something here. Okay. Am I going to win this or am I going to guilty? Lose this? Oh, am I going to win or lose if okay. we're if we're talking about uh, spousal stuff here? So last night, Beth says, "Let's order Chinese." Okay, that sounds like a great okay. start. I get all excited because it's expensive, and as you know, we don't order it often. She doesn't always want it. So I'm like, sure. Because the, you know, the kids are gone. We don't have to worry about what they want. Absolutely. Because I, 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 I will call House of Wasun on Irving Park, and I will get mm. barbecue pork chow fun, which is crack. Mm. It is so good. Their barbecue pork chow fun is ridiculously good. Crack. And we get that and like Szechuan eggplant, some egg rolls, some hot and sour soup. And if you ask for the real mustard, they'll give you the homemade mustard instead of the packet mustard. Ooh, ooh, it's good. So I'm like, yes. And I and I actually I had a paper menu and I and I looked at it and like closed Mondays. Damn it. So whatever. And I figured this morning it was assumed that we would get Chinese tonight. Because I got all excited for Chinese and we couldn't get it. So, like, obviously we're getting it tonight. And she's like, no, now I don't want it. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. I, what, do you, what do you mean? She's like, well, I was in the mood for it yesterday. And, and now she's not. I'm not in the mood for it tonight. So 
I've been texting her like every 10, 15 minutes since I left the house this morning. To try and change her mind? I just keep, I, and I told her I'm not going to stop. I'm just going to say, let's do Chinese tonight. Chinese tonight. I'm going to text, and I said, I'm going to text all day. And then I text Szechuan eggplant and then a series of eggplant emojis. Uh, all right. And see what kind That's, of response I was going to get to that. Yeah. So then, and she's texting. So you're then Aisha I, Curry right and now. And then, and then I texted a bunch of like the, the, like the Chinese flag and every possible emoji I could. And, and this has been going on all show. So you're, you're going to have, uh, have some Jason Whitlock, Whitlock moments <laughs> when so, you check your browser. So at 142, I said, I just got an idea. Let's order Chinese food tonight. So, so she sends me back like a, like a handwritten red X. And I said, that's actually the Mandarin symbol for I agree wholeheartedly respected spouse. Yeah, I, I think you're, you're, you're digging a grave. And then I'm getting back all these nope emojis. Yep. It's, it's Kenan Thompson saying nope and then the, the poster for the movie nope. So, Which you hated, right? It was awful. Yeah, that should be a warning. So she hated it more. She wanted to walk out. I mean, you're going to – couldn't you just get that – like, couldn't that be, like, your little lunch guy? Couldn't you do, like, a little lunch thing I after lunch. the show? No, I like to get excited for it and then order it later or maybe put a movie on or something. There's no sports we got to watch tonight. Well, then so, why can't why can't you guys do separate today? Well, I'm pro- – I guess I could, but then you, you pay separate delivery charges, and that's a waste of money. I don't think that you're. She's as dug in as you are, mm-hmm. like from a personality standpoint. I think I she actually wants Chinese food. I I don't. I think you she's think told so? you very clearly. No, I know that she doesn't want Chinese well, she, food. She sent me the grocery list that includes what she wants for dinner. I'm not buying it. That, that seems like a bad decision. Then again, <laughs> who am I? I don't know. I clearly don't know. So I just I, I just want the barbecue pork chow fun from Austin. I think that you should get what you want. It's so good. And you shouldn't worry about whether or not she wants it. And you should treat yourself, Dan. Treat yourself with the extra delivery charge. Maybe she's not even hungry. Have you even asked if she's actually hungry? Well, I never know. What if, what if she's what if she's not actually hungry or just like wants well, that's what I, cereal for dinner or something? No, you can order whatever you want. Because she's going to be hungry and she's going to want Chinese food. And then she's not, then she's gonna decide not to order it because she doesn't wanna doesn't wanna lose. Even though she knows that she loves the hot and sour soup and the Szechuan eggplant, and do you think that she would be mad if you just if you just said, you know what, executive decision, and ordered? It. I'm ordering. Pick what you want. See, I can do that with the kids. I can't do that with her. Hmm. As a kid, with the kids, I'm like, hey, this is what I'm making. Eat it or don't eat it. This is what we're ordering. Pick what you want. And you know, especially the you know the boy will just Zoe will say, fine, whatever. And I'm like, I don't want to. Is it good enough? Order from somewhere else. Duh. I, I I think that you should probably just yeah. She just said, just get it for yourself. That's what I. You know what? Uh, <laughs> when when I do the podcast with Jason, I am also going to do a podcast <laughs> with Beth. Like that's how many times do we have to tell him that, that that'll be the name of it? How many times do we have to tell him stuff? Well, that's true. The four one four says if Beth is going to make hers if from your grocery store stop, there's only one delivery charge. Correct. And the 815 says, Lawrence, put him up in the eggplant. I, I get the eggplant thing. That's why he That's did why it. I sent multiple <laughs> yes. when I said Szechuan eggplant, and then I followed it up with a separate text that was just multiple eggplant emojis. That's why I, I said know what his, I'm his doing. browser's going to look like Jason Whitlock. <laughs> yeah, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> All right, Parkinson Spiegel next.